Welcome to What's Left to Do. I'm your host, Janelle. I seem to be on a roll of late with leftists from or in Oakland. First Jason, then Greg, now Walter. Walter Riley has done a lot. He got started as a civil rights organizer at 14 in Durham, North Carolina. His journey of mobilizing large groups had only just begun. And at 78, he still got plenty of smoke for enemies of the working class. today we are in none other than the sunny hamlet of oakland sitting with whom well i'll tell you (laughs) we are sitting with the walter riley you might know you might have heard of his son a little fella by the name of boots (laughs) who is a movie maker as well as an artist and today we get to hear where his politics came from, from his uh, intrepid father, who is a civil rights um, icon and attorney. How are you doing today, Walter? I'm good. I'm good. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, So we were, right before we started recording, uh, we were chatting a little bit uh, about uh, you coming from the same neck of the woods as as my people. You're from uh, Durham, North Carolina. Um, Tell me a little bit about that. Um, I grew up in Durham, North Carolina, but I actually was born in Chatham County, which is right next to Durham, where University of North Carolina is in Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm. So, but the entire area is uh, an area of uh, my family. Okay. They were, before 1950, in the early 50s at least, they were uh, tenant farmers ah. farming cash crop tobacco. My father, my father's family, my, uh, all of his brothers, and my mother and my mother's family, previous to that. All big families from yeah. that area, uh-huh. so they cover... You know, all those counties around there in Durham. Okay. Interesting place with a lot of history from the Piedmont area. Native American folk and black folk and unregistered Native Americans mm-hmm. that are all part of the history of North Carolina. That's right. You, How many How many siblings did you have growing up? There were 11 children. No. You're mother, one of 11? <laughs> one of 11. My stars. My mother... Uh, had 11 children and I'm the ninth child. Hi. So there were a lot of older kids. Uh-huh. So you were spoiled. Look no, at you. I was not ah, spoiled. I don't, I don't know if I believe that. I don't think the ninth child gets spoiled. Yes, you do. You were the baby. Everybody Actually, noted on you. My mother loved my oldest sister. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, she did all of us. But and my oldest sister was my, was my father's favorite. Uh-huh. And she was 14 years older than me. Whoa. And then my um, oldest brother was also a favorite of the family because those older children came along when my parents were much younger. I see, I see. So it was easy, but, you know. What was it like growing up in such a big family? Growing up in a big family uh, that didn't have all the resources around was uh, a challenge sometimes, but we all 
learn to work together. Tell me what you mean by that. We well, I mean it's always a challenge having enough room. Uh huh. Having the books. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, getting uh, the uh, attention necessary to get all the academic work done. Mm-hmm. To do all the other kinds of things that one can do. Sure. When uh, a family has many economic resources, it means your social life is much different in terms uh-huh. of people. You have time to visit transportation sure um um and just being able to um navigate the world okay but because we were a big family we all had various levels of support what do you mean from by each that? other my mother worked hard mm-hmm. what did she do as per, as a, in her profession after leaving the f- the uh, farm work i was still very young i was born in 44 so mm-hmm. she stopped farming by 1950 or so okay. she had actually worked in factory for a little while a furniture factory oh tobacco tobacco. okay in durham and when she died she wanted to be uh listed as as a factory worker but she had been a domestic okay from the 50s on working in people's houses i see and um, my dad after he left the farm became a construction worker in addition to farming but he was a construction worker Uh and learned to operate machinery Mm -hmm. and therefore was able to get a uh, work as uh, as a machine operator, hmm. operating engineer, which of course could never be classified as that because black folk couldn't be operating oh. engineers. Oh, really? In North Carolina, and actually, it's still a problem across the country. Ah. operating engineers—that is, operating heavy equipment—is mm-hmm. not hospitable ah. to black folk. I see. And it's a struggle. There are changes, but it's a tremendous struggle. Oh, wow. Okay. Still uh, across the country. Mm. Um, but, um, your question, I'm, I missed it. No, 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 you're, no, you're answering it. So do I understand that your parents, uh, the experience that maybe your older siblings had was that your parents were still farming when they were, they were little, but by the time you came along, they had switched to domestic housework for your mother and heavy machine work for your father. Yes, more okay. or less. My father continued to do some farming work in, in the fifties, mm-hmm. but we didn't have to farm earlier. All the kids had to farm. Meaning help out. Help out. During the year or just in the summer? Uh, all year long. Oh, okay. Farmers, you know, I when I was in, in school, uh, kids who were in families that were still farming mm-hmm. uh, got up very early in the morning. That's right. And by the time they got to school, they had done, you know, a quarter of a day's work mm-hmm. very often. That's right. Uh, whatever it meant, you know, taking care of the animals, mm-hmm. um, helping to get the work started in the fields. Uh, and during harvest time, kids got time off. To do harvest to work, help. Mm. it wasn't time off to rest and have sure. fun. Harvest festival, yeah, for all of us, uh-huh. was fun. Yeah, <laughs> harvest festival for farming kids uh-huh. is work. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> it's work. It's work. It's, it, it's hard work. How did your fam? How did your older siblings describe their their life helping your parents farm? Uh, everybody always wanted to um, be as understanding as possible when they describe their the uh, earlier days mm-hmm. the, in their lives. Nobody wanted to say life was terrible or hard. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted to say we were poor. Sure. Um, everybody wanted to have a sense of dignity. Sure. But they worked hard. Okay. I know that my mother lamented the fact that the older kids had to work so hard uh, on a farm. I see. And my dad was very aware of that also. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got married in their teens. Yeah, of course. My my, my parents. Um, and that happened with everybody, basically, mm-hmm. in the sure. farming world. Mm-hmm. I think it happens all over the world still. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but you start out, you know, as a 14 or 15-year-old trying to raise a family. 
how much time have you had to even learn? That's right. To be a mother, to be a parent, to, to be uh, uh, a partner. Sure. Um, and you learn on the way. Yeah, that's right. There's often a lot of lot of love mm -hmm. because there's a lot of obviously a lot of physical attraction sure. that goes on. <laughs> sure. <with folks. laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, huh. And it's a struggle to to keep all that together and Absolutely. to nourish it. Yes. But um, I feel you know my family was nourishing for all of us. I mm -hmm. think it, all of us had a sense of self dignity and pride. All yes. of the kids. Mm -hmm. And we have tried to instill that in our own kids. Mm -hmm. um, my parents ha had a sense of their what was happening in the world. Ah. They didn't know everything, but they knew the popular stories. Like what did you do? You remember any particular stories that were discussed at home? Well, they talked about uh, uh, what they called Hoover times. Mm -hmm. uh, and Those Ho were rough times. Very rough times. Mm -hmm. My mother was born in 1912. My father in, in uh, 1909. Mm -hmm. And by Hoover times, yeah. they were old enough to be aware of what the economic world was around them. That's right. And how hard they had to work. That's right. Um, they worked hard to um, buy land. Mm -hmm. They finally bought land. Mm -hmm. um, those are the kind of things I remember. My mother remembers, you know, the Lindbergh kidnapping when black women who had taken care of white babies were stopped on the streets, on the roads. Whoa. Because, you know, every person, particularly a black person that had a, a, a uh, white child mm -hmm. was subject to, to be questioned. Mm. And in the South, it didn't matter what, whether or not the uh, questioner or the authority actually believed there was a probable cause for it. They just did it because they had the power to do it. That's Stop right. people and harass people. Is where was that in? I've never heard of this before. Lindbergh was that in North Carolina? Oh, Lind no, Lindbergh was another. It was a worldwide. Uh, Charles Lindbergh's baby was kidnapped. Oh, and I don't know it this. Was, it was the uh, yeah. Check it out. Historically, it was the subject of international media. Ah, uh, Lindbergh himself was a famous um, pilot, mm -hmm. and uh, who actually was a Nazi supporter. Yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you, but, you always but, pinch a little you scratch a little bit of american history you always end up revealing a nazi yeah <laughs> but he was uh, an international hero and certainly an american hero mm -hmm. um and uh, i think the final story claims that one of the uh, uh servants in the Lindbergh household uh kidnapped the baby for ransom or something whoa and but the baby was never found so the Lindbergh baby was never found uh-huh uh, and they're still stories about what happens with them. Uh -huh. But the kidnapping of Lindbergh baby was as famous as as possible. Sure. Uh, in, 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 the, in the national and uh, international media because mm -hmm. he was an international personality. Mm. And not only black women, but any woman servant mm -hmm. uh, with the baby was subject to suspicion. Sure. But my mother talked about those kinds of things. She talked about uh, music at the time. Mm -hmm. The, how they had fun, yeah. danced. Yeah. How they how they worked at the uh, at the uh, festivals, mm -hmm. um, and those are the stories that she talked about. My dad was very much aware of what, what was happening to some extent with labor. Mm -hmm. And in fact, by the by the fifties, uh, when he was no longer principally a farmer, he uh, was uh, organizing with uh, his union. Ah. What union was he a uh, he member was, of? He was a, he was a member of CIO. Ah, okay. Before uh, before this before the merger. Ah, okay. okay. And I have distinct memories of going with him to some meetings. Okay. Because parents have to take kids with them with that number of kids. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and also, I was always interested, and he was a 
he was a he was a, a uh, understanding person. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very understanding about discipline and working with us and mm-hmm. helping us and mm-hmm. teaching us. I mean, he had by the ninth child, he had had some experience. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's been around the block a few times. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it was it was nice to have all of that. And and he 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 was, I remember, uh, opposed to the CIO and AFL joining because he thought the AFL was too conservative. Ah, okay. Do you remember as a child having any? What what, what was your understanding as a child of your father's union participation in CIO? Did you did you understand or was it just like, oh God, I, another meeting with Dad? Oh no, I did. I didn't see it as a boring because I didn't have to go with him. Ah, okay. You you elected. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why were you so was, interested? I was probably ten years old because I just wanted to know what was going on around me. Uh-huh. I I I read a lot. Okay. I started reading a lot, a lot more than I do now, but mm-hmm. I. I, I had a book in my hand every day of my life hmm. uh, by the, by from the time I was able to start having books sure. until, you know, sometime, you know, into my adulthood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I read a lot less now. Mm-hmm. But um, so I read a lot mm-hmm. and I read the things that were allowed to be uh, available to me mm-hmm. um, in my library. Uh, at school, they didn't have certain things available. And sure. Those are obviously the things I wanted to read. Absolutely. Like Langston Hughes and uh, Richard Wright. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, many of the writers of the uh, Harlem Renaissance Absolutely. were not allowed in our segregated really? libraries. Right. E- even for the black people, those books were not allowed. Right. Oh, especially for black people. Those are the ones you want to keep it out of. Just ah. like right now, you want to keep out of the hands of folks, things that you learn about. Oh, Richard Wright and, and Langston Hughes were, were definitely taboo. Huh. Um, in in our library and oh. um, I wouldn't have I, it makes sense now as you say it but I would not have I would not have guessed that I, oh I yeah guess. well there were others too uh, that are not coming to mind right now of uh-huh. course and 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 in the fifties when I was coming of age mm-hmm. uh, um, there were limitations on what was going to be made available by the school districts sure, sure. to us anyway uh, we were history not allowed repeats. to know a lot about what was happening in the movement around the world so we had to look those things up. Uh-huh. What about what you were reading? Had you interested in your father's union activity? Uh, I, I remember early on my parents talking about the uh, election in 1950. Mm. Eisenhower. Eisenhower. Okay. And and uh, Republican, uh, and Eisenhower sounded uh, better to some folks uh-huh. in the South at that time uh-huh. than any Democrat. <laughs> and that's tell it. <laughs> the Democrats was a party of the of, of the Southern aristocracy, the Southern uh, uh, oligarchs. That's right. Uh, and um, um, so a lot of folks began to question. Yeah. And that you know the Republicans were a very different group at that time. Mm-hmm. As we know today, they were not necessarily progressive, but it right. was an opposition yes. to the Democrats that some people uh, began to look at Republicans. So they were very much involved in that discussion. Mm-hmm. My school mm-hmm. itself uh, had discussions oh. around... Uh, among the children? Uh, there was some discussion among the, the people. The principal of my school mm-hmm. was very much, again, I, I, I assume you understand all of that, but at your age, maybe people don't know how segregated no, things were. No, of course I know. My <laughs> father was born a year after you. Of course I know. Oh, but, really? but say it for, yeah, for mean, people who I mean, might not the understand. The South was completely segregated. I lived in a black community. Completely black. Completely black. Terry right there and explain to them what that means. That means there were no black fo- black folk. Uh, I mean, there were no white folk around. <laughs> I was like, hold on now. <laughs> Don't confuse people, Walter. <laughs> there are no white folk around uh-huh. uh, in that community. They came through. They yeah. picked up people to go to work. You I, had to pay them for insurance, maybe, if you didn't yeah, have a black insurance man. They came by and they sold stuff door to door. Yeah. 
uh, and they came and collected it. If you got a month late and then charged your interest and brought it back that's, to you again. That's right. Um, and uh, in many cases, they came and collected rent. Yep. There were several black communities in the Durham area. Yep. I lived on the north side, mm -hmm. which was a place called Bragtown. Mm -hmm. On the north side, there were two black communities at least connected to Durham. Mm -hmm. One was an area called Mill Grove, mm -hmm. totally black, mm -hmm. organized around uh, a church and, and a grove yeah, <laughs> church, yeah. totally black. My town, area of Black Bragtown, mm -hmm. uh, was organized principally along the road that was uh, a fence road, mm -hmm. as it was called that, but it was an area of, uh, there were several slave communities. In fact, mm -hmm. members of my family lived in slave dwellings. Ah, even as you were being brought we're up? Yeah. Oh, wow. And and the place I was born, where my family lived, when I was born, I think I was the second child. I've been saying that for a while. So. <laughs> we'll stick with it. <laughs> the second child born in a hospital. Oh wow! Everybody uh, else born at home. Everybody else born at home. Whoa! My mother did midwifery at, for most of her life, and while she was healthy. Yeah. And many others did that. It's also part of religious yeah. service and community service. She That's was part right. of that, and she would do that mm -hmm. for for midwifing and helping people who were dying. Yeah and things like that but um the house that my family lived in when i was born was a slave dwelling built by slaves Whoa. and had been a slave dwelling and you knew that growing up i knew that growing up what did you think about that or did it or was it unremarkable do you it think? was not unremarkable oh. my family would go visit that area at, in, during my lifetime and i never went to that house for i i, I regret that i never went to it ah but i never could go to it why i it was it was it was like I don't know, it was, it, I would compare it in some sense right now for the first time to a magnet uh, and, and that you were holding that is attracting you or pushing you away. Uh -huh. I knew that those dwellings were slave dwellings uh -huh. and um, I, I didn't visit them. And you, you just couldn't? I couldn't. Yeah, I you, couldn't. you just had to stay away. It was a period when I did not understand the legacy of the folks who had survived slavery mm -hmm. and come out of it and what what they were doing uh, i understand how important they were and, and i understood the contributions that could make and i loved having conversations with them mm -hmm. but i um uh, I, I could not bring myself to uh experience I feeling see. because it's it's like there was some spirit or something in yeah. those places that i could not I could not. Accept. You didn't want to encounter. I didn't. I didn't. I, I did not want to encounter. Ah. Uh. But I was going to tell the story that North Carolina Durham was a, a place of a lot of enterprise. It had what is called now Black Wall Street. Yep. Uh, you know, investments and and the various folks in the middle class, and it had a large. By the time I was growing up, a large uh, community of folks who worked in the tobacco factory. That's right. And that was you know industrial industrials industrious work yes uh people made decent livings and they were able to to provide for their families that's right they were able to build house housing or buy nice housing yep black folk uh, uh support the black professional communities mm -hmm. support the black stores mm -hmm. and uh black institutions that's right my high school mm -hmm. my school mm -hmm. uh 12 first to 12th grade mm -hmm. no no preschool no kindergarten mm -hmm. uh was named at murdoch moore mm -hmm. And um, that's named after two black people, Merrick hyphen Moore. Uh -huh. Merrick, Mr. Merrick and Mr. Moore were, were insurance uh, entrepreneurs, business yes. entrepreneurs and educators. So they 
uh, were able to make contributions to our community. So there was enough political uh, savvy in Durham County yeah. Yeah. to insist that this segregated racist school system would name a building after uh, two black people. That's another fight that's still going on today. It's yeah. still going Maybe. on today. Yeah. And this was done in 1950. That's right. When I started the school, it was a brand new brick yeah. school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, at various times, our school got too crowded and had to go to a school that was setting up on bricks and and rocks and that was uh, you know old clapboard schoolhouse that's right but uh for this period that we started there at Merrickmore, um Were you there was also, also a, a, a black library mm-hmm. we couldn't go to the white library of course and i one of the things i you know we used to do in the civil rights was i'd go downtown and try and go in the library and they'd always put us out yikes but we had but the, but we also knew that the best uh stocked library was was uh, Johnson C. Uh, Stanford L. Warren uh, Library, uh-huh. and and uh, it was better equipped. Yeah, uh, but it was in town, so it took a lot to get to it. And, sure. and they used to uh, in the fifties, they would send trucks out. I was a good student. Yes, yes. you asked that. <laughs> I was, a, I was a National Merit Scholar. I Whoa! Was, uh, I was, uh, I was, uh, I always fought hard to understand what's going. On. I think reading makes a difference. Okay, reading makes a difference. If if uh, for me, reading not only gave me some awareness of what was happening in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew I knew something about the Cold War. I knew something about the conflicts between the Soviet Union and, and the U.S. I knew something about the issues that were happening in Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, certainly was aware of many of the activities that were going on in various places. I got involved in the civil rights movement mm-hmm. um, as about 12 years old because I was aware of things that were happening. What do you mean? Tell me about that. What was the spark or what were the sparks? Um, I was as a kid and it is still very common today that kids do a lot of the work for the parents, mm-hmm. uh, in na- navigating the systems that tell they live in. Me, uh, tell me what you mean by that. Give I mean, me an example. That, I mean that, uh, right here in, in Oakland, kids of immigrants have to navigate for their parents. Ah, read the uh, phone bill, read the, or phone the bill, electric bill, go with them to the hospital. That's right. Uh, there's always a struggle to try and overcome that. Uh-huh. Uh, black kids have had to do that at various times. Absolutely. In the South, uh, I used to go downtown to pay the bills. Ah, okay. <laughs> like the, 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 the gas bill and the, the, the yeah, water bill. The, the water bill and to, to pay the uh, the uh, for the uh, television and ah. to pay for the uh, uh, other items that are sold door to door they went downtown the furniture bills mm-hmm. mostly it was like furniture bills and television and, and uh, easy loan uh-huh. easy, and it seems so ridiculous but there was an easy loan company <laughs> e-z was it a payday company. loan no they didn't call them payday loans in those days but it was an easy loan they got them okay they were somebody had enough money to lend money to black folk uh-huh. who uh, needed to have uh, it was similar to payday loans okay but you could get in loan very readily mm-hmm. and you had to pay it back and you had something if you wanted to buy a TV. Yeah. We had TVs off and on. Yeah, sure, sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah, we had refrigerators. We had ice boxes too. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes didn't keep up with the bill on the sure. refrigerator and we had to go back to the ice box. That's right. You know, with 11 kids, that's, <laughs> that's to, go, to be expected. Had to go to the ice house and get ice mm-hmm. and, and, and drive it back on the fender or somebody on the bumper or somebody's car. But uh, on one of these trips, I went downtown and I saw a picket line in front of S.H. Crest. Uh-huh. 
And is uh, that a department store? It's a department store. Okay. Uh, and um, asked people what was going on. Uh huh. And they told me most of those folks were in their late teens or in their early twenties. Young, they were young people, mm-hmm. all be into their thirties. Mm-hmm. Pick a line, and it was about jobs and segregated uh, 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 fountains. Uh huh. Crest had a, had a counter upstairs and a counter downstairs where they sold hot dogs and, and this and that. And I would stop there and buy a hot dog for whatever it was. I don't remember. It was probably something like 12 cents or, sure. <laughs> or less. Uh-huh. I know a soda cost four cents at one time. And, but, um, but you had to eat at the segregated lunch counter. Yeah. And uh, so they put a pickle on them saying, this is, this is no longer acceptable. Ah. And black people need to stay away from it. And you had hoped that some white folks would stay away from it also. Mm-hmm. But, and I asked. And, and, within, uh, and, and at that time... They uh, had a position that if you were a certain age, you they didn't want you involved because what would happen is the authorities mm. would charge adults with contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Oh, so you your presence would maybe make it more difficult for the adults that were there. Yeah. Ah, okay. okay. So you know anything that involved uh, fighting for your rights or anything <laughs> involved challenging the system. <clears throat> For uh, for the authorities was contributing to the delinquency of minors. Mm. The same thing is true today. Sure. If you can get involved in certain activities, you can be charged. Yeah. I mean, when you have demonstrations, there's always an issue That's as right. I organize demonstrations. Uh, by and large, we try and ignore it in certain places, but there are other places in the country where it can't be ignored. Correct. Correct. So, but I got involved. Mm-hmm. And how? Uh, like what? Actually, by by what joining was- the picket line. By joining the picket so line. So you mean you, you went downtown, your parents gave you the money to go pay for the fill in the blank. You saw the picket line. You asked. Um, they told you. And and you didn't just finish your errand. You you were just like, well, <laughs> well, in. I'm with you. I'm in. Uh. And for, for a while, I had to stand there. But then I joined. They weren't going to throw me out. Sure. <laughs> sure. Sure. And, and they were people. You know, they were mostly folks from downtown. They were not country folks. Uh-huh. Um, as I was. But why did you, why did you, why did you, like, this is it. I'm with them. Well, like, why? Why in that moment oh, did you? I don't know. Uh, I mean, it was instinct. There is no time that I can remember that I was uh, content to live with the uh, uh, disabilities of a completely segregated world, uh, of the inequalities. Mm. Uh, I was aware of, uh, of, of, of many of those things. Uh, I was aware from reading that there were problems in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was aware that there's a time that things can be changed. Ah. And I also was very aware of my, my, my sense of self as an individual to be involved. I think I got that from my parents. Tell me what you mean by that. Well, my father and mother believed that... Uh, even with their lack of education, they both left school in the third grade. They mm-hmm. didn't finish the third grade. Mm-hmm. My mother learned to read very well. My father learned to read uh, enough yeah. to get by. Mm-hmm. But they always wanted education. They wanted the kids to, to, to have dignity. Yes. They wanted the kids to understand that there was problems in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, uh, here's an example. When I told my father that I wanted to become a lawyer, mm-hmm. he said, I don't want no lawman in my family. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that was as an adult, but I had to explain to him what the difference is between a lawyer and a lawman. Yeah, that's right. But he had some sense, but he, but but he grew up uh, understanding that his life his had been a struggle against a, a racist 
white dominated society mm-hmm. and that he wanted to be part of the change. Ah. As a farmer, he had uh, a tremendous amount of skill, mm-hmm. as did his brothers and so forth. And in all their struggles, they had to fight to get paid as much as they could Absolutely. from their work. They had to fight when they sold their crop. Mm-hmm. You know, you take your crop to, to, to the warehouse and, and, and some person comes along and, 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 and buys it from you. Mm-hmm. And you have to negotiate that. That's world. right. It's not just uh, just a thing of, uh, of uh, you, you, you grow a crop and it automatically gets onto the market. That's, that's right. So you have to negotiate all that. Yeah. And there are relationships that have to be developed. Yeah. My father always fought harder around those things. I don't mean to say that he won because I don't know the details of it. Sure. But I had... I have memories of going with him to the warehouse uh-huh. to sell his tobacco. Mm-hmm. And I have memories of him saying to a white man, I'm not going to sell you this for that. Ah. And that was, you know, not that it didn't happen by with other p- folks, but it was not easy for a black man to say sure, that no. in those places. Absolutely not. And uh, he came from a big family. And I can say that there were times when he and his brothers had to band together. Ah, okay. And, and that's what did it to you. Stories. No, 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 no. I don't want you to get anybody in trouble or <laughs> disrupt any spirits at your own house. <laughs> but that's where you got it. It's just like we, like sometimes, sometimes you can't just lay down and take it. Sometimes right. you have to stick together yeah, to yeah. advance something. Yeah. Ah, so that's, yeah. that's where it came from. That is, came from, came from that. Ah. I mean, uh, uh, and, and they're, they're both of the desires and their ability to say, you know, um, they're not, going to be walked over ah um and though they worked and they took jobs that i that i didn't like sure you know my dad working construction he he took he was he started out as a menial worker Mm -hmm. uh uh, with digging ditches and so forth and he fought and worked and helped to organize to get beyond that for himself and for other folks uh and my mother worked as a domestic uh, there are different relationships that you have with the people you work for. Absolutely. When you're in those situations, but she always fought for her dignity uh, with these people, and and uh, she wasn't just going to treat her any kind of way. She would not allow that. Absolutely. Right. And and there were there are many 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 struggles around those kinds of things that that she has gone through and did go through in in, in that period. So what was the after like from that day at 12 years old at the picket line at the department store? Uh, I mean. Uh, Young folk, adolescents, have played a major role in the uh, civil rights movement. Of course. Of the 60s. I mean, the, it was young folks who took the march to Pettius yes. Street Bridge. That's right. If, if you don't. Oh, yeah. yes. I had one of my Sunday school teachers growing up was there, Bloody Sunday. Who was that? Uh, her name is, her her uh, maiden name was Carolyn Peoples, but now it's Carolyn Vega. She was a Panther, too. I mean, she, right. every year on the anniversary of Bloody Sunday, we listened to the same stuff my whole oh, life. Yeah, no, yeah. No, these were these were as adolescents before. Yeah, they, she was a child. I know before yeah. the adults came. Yeah, that's when right. they were telling them stay in the church, don't go out. And they yep, went out. That's right. And they don't get the national attention, visual coverage yeah. around that. And I know some of those folks. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so and and that was true uh, in Durham and many other places. So we pushed mm-hmm. because we came along and maybe we were. Uh, Maybe we maybe we had a, trim, a more uh, uh, spirit uh-huh. around doing it. And, and, and fearlessness. And, and fearlessness, that's yeah. probably what I'm looking for. Less understanding of the possible dangers. Yeah, absolutely. Or less care about the dangers. Absolutely. You know? I mean, at 12, 13, and 14 years old, uh, I think that uh, if parents have not instilled in you fear, mm-hmm. um, you are 
likely to get into trouble. Yeah. And you are likely to challenge conventions. Yes. And you're likely to also develop a lot of understanding. Yes. Your artistic development, your intellectual yes. development, your ability to navigate the world mm -hmm. can be f fashioned yes. or formed at that moment. Absolutely. And that was true for a lot of us, and that was true for me, and I got involved. Uh, what, was the, what was the result of that picket line at the store? That picket line lasted for years. Years? Yes. I mean, th those places didn't, didn't, didn't give up. Mm -hmm. uh, Sears, uh, the, the sit-in movement came after that. Mm -hmm. uh, Sears was another place, mm -hmm. Sears, Sears Robot, that, Robot. Had, <laughs> that had uh, segregated water fountains, segregated bathrooms, and no, no black folk working there. Mm -hmm. So we got involved and we started organizing for jobs because by this time, you know, when I was growing up, there was a sense, it didn't happen in my family, but there was a sense of, uh, abroad mm -hmm. in the world mm -hmm. that by the time you're 16, you need to be independent. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> uh -huh. you, you, you need not to be a burden on your family. Sure. And so you think about what are we going to do and what the jobs are. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, and um, so we were demanding jobs. Mm. We wanted jobs in those stores. Uh, we wanted jobs uh, uh, in the in the factories mm -hmm. that were around. Because is it because the I know this sounds like a silly, and I'm not asking to be dense, but was it because the 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 existing uh, the existing black businesses were not. Uh, big enough to absorb the labor pool of of all of the black community. Exactly. Exactly. Ah, okay, okay, exactly. Okay. No. Mm -hmm. um, I think um, my memory. I don't know the uh, stats, but my memory of some of the work that we were doing. I think Durham was about fifty thousand um, folks voting, mm -hmm. and ten to fifteen thousand were black. Uh huh. So that's the black voters. So that's sort of the population. Mm -hmm. We might have been better than 14% of the population of, of the area. Mm -hmm. um, but those businesses couldn't absorb us all. I see, I see. Uh, North Carolina Mutual didn't have that many jobs. No, 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 no. And Mechanics and Farmers Bank didn't have that many jobs. And there are many other aspects of it, too. They hired the people that they knew. Yeah, that's right. And, and uh, those of us who came from the rural communities did not have the uh, ties. Mm -hmm with uh, the black folk the city folk the city folk city black folk yeah there was a tremendously uh black area yeah in in durham that was very poor sure outside toilets in town i mean in the town itself Woo. uh outside toilets uh, uh no running water mm -hmm. uh, streets that were muddy yeah uh, and, and impassable during the winter months and the rainy months mm -hmm. and rutted during the summer months. <laughs> sure. And uh, houses up on stilts and ramshackle. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was when I came out here and people talked about, you know, the slums. Yeah. I said, these are not slums. They're right. Exactly. Y'all don't know what don't know the what projects slum. are. You know there what? are palm trees outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When, and these were our projects I'm talking about. I mean, the projects or a different Project. place, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, even in Durham, but these are the houses people lived in. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there were a lot of lot of folks, but so you know, the black business can absorb them all. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, there were, so there was a tremendous need for jobs. Not, the factories weren't gonna hire everybody. There uh. were factories, we had tobacco factories, mm -hmm. cotton mills, mm -hmm. and furniture factories yep. in North Carolina. And uh, while they had a lot of black people, there were still uh, a lot more, which is, just, you know, in the center of slavery yeah right so a lot of black people people hadn't moved out mm -hmm. um and 
so we fought for those things. By the time I was 15, I was playing a leading role in the movement. And by the time I was, was I think, I was, I was the leader of the, of, the, uh, of the young adult chapter by the time I was 15 young or 16. Adult, young adult chapter of what? Of the NAACP. Ah, okay. So, you, so by <laughs> 15, what, was, what, was, uh, what did that entail, you being a 15-year-old leader? It meant that this was a chapter that was made up of all the kids from adolescence up until their 30s. Oh, okay. And not kids into the but adult, yeah, yeah. all the folks who were Young in the adults. movement, yeah, and into the movement, and then there were older folks that would come to our meetings too. But you know, yeah. there was an older chapter, adult chapter in WCP. Yeah, it was made up of a different kind of group and different social economic group. Right, not the not the plucky rural kids <laughs> <laughs> and the city kids from the from from the schools that were that were you know ready to sit in, mm-hmm. ready to uh, face the cop. Yeah, uh, 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 with uh, a sense of nothing to lose. Yeah. You know, but blood. Yeah, yeah, that's a part of it. <laughs> um, but 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 uh, we didn't feel like uh, they could take away uh, our families. Yeah, uh, their uh, their jobs. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't or you know things like that. Sure. Um, though there were struggles around it, so that was the group, and it was a large group. We were, we became one of the leading groups in the country, as a matter of fact. And the salient issue for you all, though, at fifteen, was jobs. Like that's what you were. That was jobs, your star. Jobs and and changing the social order. Order. What did that mean to you at that the time? It meant that we had to desegregate the systems. We didn't like being been told that we had to ride at the back of the bus. Ah. So we sat wherever we want, and we yeah. get into trouble. Uh, and uh, we didn't like being told that we couldn't sit at a lunch counter. Uh huh. The lunch counter sit-in movement. For your information, started in Durham. I I know about the Greensboro Four. I thought it started in Greensboro and then no, kind no. of. Uh, well, you can, uh, Ken Burns' book also uh-huh. uh, 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 it, it says that it started in Durham, okay. but Greensboro uh-huh. was the one that got a lot of the publicity. Gotcha. But you guys were the were the. It started in in Durham, and there was a Royal Ice Cream Company where there was a, in the fifties. Where there was a sit-in mm-hmm. and, and major activities around that. Okay. Uh, but Greensboro was a was a bigger student movement. Gotcha. And uh, were you a yeah. part of the initial uh, sit-in actions in Durham? I was one of the sit-in. I, I actually did sit-in, but I I uh, I uh, didn't get arrested because I was underage. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and we always had that issue. Sure. So we had to be sure that the people who were going to do the major brunt of the sit-ins were people who. Uh, were older, over 18 uh, at the time. So when you see that, that was true for all the sit-ins. But I was a sit-inner uh-huh. um, that's been documented. Yeah. Um, and I was an organizer of sit-ins. Did th- did this create problems for you at home, or were your parents encouraging? My parents totally supported me. Yes. My my neighborhood supported me. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, you look around here and you see the streets. We mm-hmm. didn't have streets like this, but it was the main, main road where mm-hmm. houses were. And when I walked down the street, people would say, something ah like go ahead on walter yeah. uh-huh yeah i mean they you know you know they they supported you they, they supported me yeah. okay all right so there wasn't any tension around your my activism was, my and name your... was cootie cootie <laughs> <laughs> ah, so that's what that's what everybody called you cootie is an african name of endearment oh okay by the way oh, okay so out here people don't understand that uh cootie carte cootie k-u-t-i uh, Kuti. I didn't know how to spell it, mm-hmm. so I spelled. Who it. gave you that name first? My, I don't know. My parents called me Kuti. Okay. I guess, and the kids called me Kuti around me. Ah, okay. So, uh, so that was my name. There were some folks who would buy some of the language of the uh, of the oppressor. Ah. Uh, 
uh, one of the big campaigns that, that the media carried out at that time and that statements were, these people are being paid uh, by outsiders. They're being paid by Northern Jews. Uh-huh. They're being paid by communists. Uh-huh. Uh, they're working. Like, there wouldn't be anything wrong with being paid to right, organize. Right, but we're doing this for free, actually, because yeah. this is how much we care. Right. Uh-huh. And um, so that was that was one of the things that, that, that made it easier. Uh-huh. Um, the fact that my father's house, my parents' house, eventually was mortgaged to a black bank. Uh-huh. Helped. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> so a white bank would have... Wanted to call it in a lot quicker, but you know, some of my uh, teachers said I was obsessed. Yeah. What? What about what? What brought you alive? What? What about activism and organizing brought you alive? And why did they call you quote obsessed? Well, uh, they call me obsessed because I talked about the system, racism. Mm -hmm. I I attacked assumptions that we were being asked to accept. Uh, I uh, I. uh, criticize people who uh, helped to maintain the system of racism. Ah. I criticized the school system. Hmm. Uh, I had difficulty saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Of course. Uh, and uh, I, uh, because I was active in school, in, in both junior high school, I got active in the movement in junior high school, but by the time I was in my first year of high school, I was uh, asked at various times to open up. We had a, had a, a intercom system to open up the morning and mm-hmm. I didn't pray mm-hmm. <laughs> and at various times I remember kids laughing at me because I said now we will have the prayer <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, though I grew up in a church and I did I sang yeah. a, a did you not buy it were you not religious at all Like you didn't? I was have to tell you that I had difficulty accepting the spiritual omnipotent Mm -hmm. power that could make the world that I inhabited inhabited ah that's fair I I, you know my family is very religious there are ministers in my family and Mm -hmm. all this stuff so I'm not (laughs) sure 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 you know those things but I I had difficulties Mm -hmm. and and it grew ah I also grew up in a family that uh uh, with all the various kinds of mysticisms, and I think religion is a is an aspect of it mm-hmm. that uh, uh, had uh, a sense of a spiritual world, yeah. a world of spirits, yes, that became oppressive to me. Oh, like they, like they were they were pushing it on you too much. Not that they were pushing it on me too too much. That the, that the the world, the concept of spirits itself. Uh-huh. The idea of spirits, not that my family was pushing, it was just part of our family, that there were such things as spirits uh-huh. walking around. Uh, did they? It, did it? Did it feel oppressive because they used that as pretext to kind of justify things that you took issue with? Uh, I, 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 it's not that they put it put it on me. I'm just saying it was just part of the world mm-hmm. that we lived in. Okay. People believe in ghosts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you and, were running from some ghosts. You didn't know it, but you were running from some ghosts. And I I uh, and I didn't want to 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 be in fear. Ah, okay. I didn't want to be in fear in walking at night. I see. I didn't want to be in fear in walking past the graveyard. Ah. Uh, I didn't want to be in fear of being by myself in my house. Ah. That the owners of the house um, 
didn't want black people in. Uh, I didn't want to be in fear of being in places mm. where the spirits of the races ah. world so is it, is had so such an impression. I didn't want to be in fear of of some some um, menacing ghost. I see what you're saying. Is it is it so it it it, it became oppressive because it it uh it either mentally or emotionally um uh, uh, d uh disallowed a sense of fearlessness or right. bravery or just or just being right ah okay right i see what you're you saying you know i mean and there are there are many aspects of uh the community uh, that i grew up black community where there had had been violence sure and there were people who died there was there was also an area that i grew up where uh that many people in the neighborhood would not go through it. Not, Absolutely. Uh, except it was a dry a place where there had been lots of car accidents. And, mm. You know, I mean, on a regular basis, there were people dying mm -hmm. in accidents and one kind of other, and then various other kinds of areas of violence. And I had to very early for myself negotiate that. Mm. Um, and and um, how did you do that, though? Well, I, I had to, I had to reconcile the sense of uh, the existence of spirits and their and 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 religion. How did? But I'm saying how? How did you do that I for yourself? I had to say, well, if it's real, then all of this is real, and I want to test it. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to tell you how I tested. Okay, all right. <laughs> it seems rather to. silly, but but I had to. I had to. Uh, one night, I had to deal with it. Sure. Uh, because I said, you know. Either this is the ghost coming after me or it's not. Okay. You, but you had to know it for yourself. And I put myself in a place uh -huh. where there was something that had I, had I actually, um, had there been a, a spirit of that kind, sure. I, I would have been dealing with it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, I, All right. so it's very, it's, 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 uh, it takes, uh, a lot of pages of, of understanding no, 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 dis dis I discuss that but huh. so I, I dealt with that and I began to deal with the issue of religion you uh, know? Uh, I, now did that cause some problems at home it did okay. it didn't cause problems uh -huh. it, it caused uh, consternation uh, well that's another word day. for problem uh -huh. well a problem is something where somebody is upset with me uh -huh. and consternation is just ah, I don't agree, agree with you Okay, right. I think a peaceable a disagreement. Yeah. Okay. okay. Even to this day. Okay. Uh, uh, I am not a believer. Okay. Would you? Do you identify as an atheist or agnostic or? I think those are terms that come from uh, the religious belief uh, uh, world, and I don't want to uh, adopt it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't adopt. I don't adopt those those terms. Those, uh, terms. Okay. Um, but my family is very religious, and I don't want—I don't challenge individuals around it. I challenge particular doctrine or dogma. concepts and dogmas, yeah, okay, around it, mm -hmm. and I will argue around that. But mm -hmm. you know, I understand it's how relevant it is to some people to get through. Sure, uh, sure, makes it easier for some people to accept crap. Ah, uh, well, hey now, shake the table. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, and so I have—I I have difficult with that. And I think that if if uh, if their belief system is real, mm -hmm. then it's not a system that would be harmful to me. Ah. Their God sure. would not condemn me. Sure. Right. If right. it was real. Sure. Sure. Huh. <laughs> but the consternation it didn't it, it didn't create a rift in the family. It's just... No, it's not created a rift in the family. Okay. 
Right. Okay. No. Excellent. Um, and and uh, did neither did any, any of the things I was involved with. Okay. So I was saying, I, you know, I got involved very heavily in the movement. Mm -hmm. I spent uh, a lot of days on picket line. Mm -hmm. I spent picket lines at night, you know, Whoa. because we had stores that um, would be open late. Mm -hmm. And there were, you know, white owned stores in the black community. Mm -hmm. uh, I would go to meetings. I would organize things. I would... Uh, I would uh, make statements. Mm -hmm. I would uh, would be in the media occasionally. Wow. Um, and now, did any of this start to get to your head? Or did you remain humble about it? I would say it was humble. <laughs> what, was some, what would your siblings say? My siblings would say the same thing. Okay. And in fact, I think uh, all of my schoolmates would say the same thing, too. Okay, okay. Um, in fact, they have said that. I mean, uh, I, I always tried to be collective about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was uh, elected in school as a president of student council, president huh. of my class. How did you balance it all? Uh, president of a library club. Um, I was just very active. I know that, I but just I'm... had to say things. How did I balance it all? Yeah. I don't know. I don't did know. Did you? Did your? Did your? Did your? Did your grades take a hit with all of this going on? Or I graduated with and and not at, not number one in my class, but I graduated uh, at the top of my class on a four or something oh, like that. Okay, all right. So and you just I did was, it. I was out of school. Hmm. I, I was out of class a lot. Sure, sure, of course. <laughs> For the moment, I I did some traveling. I traveled North Carolina. I traveled other places. Mm -hmm. I also got married while I was in high school. In high school? Yes. Before you graduated? Before I graduated. Whoa. Why? Because uh, that was wife, a thing to do? <laughs> my wife was a freedom rider uh -huh. from San Francisco. That's how ah. I happened to be out here. And uh, she was on the freedom rides. She went through freedom rides and was very much involved uh, on the freedom rides. And then after the freedom rides, there was a national project organized by Corps called the Freedom Highways Project. Mm -hmm. The Freedom Highways Project was a project to integrate desegregate all of the uh, uh, desegregate commercial establishments along the federal highway, Highway mm -hmm. 1. Mm -hmm. um, uh, segregation was challenged as a, uh, a constitutional violation. Mm -hmm. uh, constitution firmed to have segregation and federally connected or federally funded projects. Mm -hmm. So you couldn't do it based on the state. So the National Highway Project it's federally funded projects, mm -hmm. built highways. Highway 1 was federally funded. Mm -hmm. uh, the establishments along the route from New York or Maine or someplace to Florida. Mm -hmm. There was a major route for sure. folks traveling, sure. principally New York. So many of these people they thought was would be liberal and would oppose it. And once they are exposed to it, they will not take part in maintaining segregated systems, uh -huh. segregated institutions or restaurants, mm -hmm. particularly. Howard Johnson was a major target. Mm -hmm and other national uh, 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 restaurant organizations along the highway, hotels and et cetera. Mm -hmm. So uh, she came to town as part of that project. Mm -hmm. uh, being in NWC was a statewide project. Uh, I was uh, a major organizer mm -hmm. in, in building the coalition between CORE and NWCP. Uh -huh. Organizations always yeah. had their beefs beefs <laughs> it's easy to say yeah mm -hmm. uh, SCLC core NAA mm -hmm. uh, urban league I don't count urban league from that period as much but it was a major force sure. but it was the urban league yeah. and it was really connected to the uh, establishment mm -hmm. uh, but for the civil rights activist organization that is organization want to change it was core NAA uh, and SCLC mm -hmm. 
and we had to we had to figure out how to work together and i was a force in pulling those together and she came to town mm-hmm. and um was involved in activities we were doing hit and runs what is going to places that was like hold on a minute <laughs> yeah. i am not familiar with that term it's a term that we use for a store we take a restaurant mm-hmm. a dinner place and we'd organize folks to go into the place and cause economic uh uh, uh, hardship oh, okay. from either so we weren't doing sit-ins in those places because these are dinner places right sure and we would do a something different from the lunch counter sit-ins mm-hmm. where we took up space at the lunch counters mm-hmm. and nobody else could use it while you're doing it yeah and uh for a restaurant we would go in and 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 sit in uh, sit at tables mm-hmm. similar to the sit-ins uh and and order food mm-hmm. well if you go in as a, a black group of four people mm-hmm. they'd get you put you out as quickly as possible but it would cause some disruption and people would become aware of it and then these are highway stops so many people would not be uh, imbued with the local uh, uh, customs and may mm-hmm. not like what's happening uh-huh. may say something to it or say I'm not going to be here or leave <laughs> the other thing we do is we, we get the uh, uh, white allies mm-hmm. Duke UNC students, other uh, students from the community mm-hmm. uh, were involved. We're talking about students primarily, and they would go in as part of our plan, sit at a table and reserve a table for six. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's two of them. We got a table for six. Our other people, other par- parties are con- going to be here later. We're going to order food for all of them. Ah. They had ordered the food, mm-hmm. and then the, you know, the four black folk would come in and sit there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, what's happened is food is already ordered. Hopefully they're making it. We yeah. try and leave enough time for the food to be started, to be prepared. Uh-huh. And we'd go in and the uh, manager and the wait people would say, you got to leave. Oh, even after the food came out? No. Was, yeah, after it came out or yeah. before it came out. Uh-huh. Would say you have to leave. Because uh-huh. it's a great place. It was the law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, <laughs> that was, that was the order of the day. It was order of the day. So, so uh you know, we'd stay as long as we could. They'd call the cops. Sometimes people would stay until they arrested us. And sometimes we'd leave just before the cops came. Yeah. But it was a disruption. Just as a lunch counter uh, sit-in was a disruption, right? Okay. Uh-huh. It, was, it was a violation to sit at the lunch counters. But they didn't arrest everybody at the lunch counters. Mm-hmm. Remember, what happened at lunch counters is they'd come and beat people up. Yeah, that's right. Or throw food on them or those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So sometimes people got arrested. King got arrested and other people got arrested at various times, but but mostly it was a disruption. Yes. Uh, and uh, that's what we were doing. Okay. That was what we call a hit and run. We go and sit in the place, order the food, come in, get thrown out, and then they've, they've started preparing the food. Uh-huh. And now they're stuck. And now they're stuck and we wouldn't pay. Yeah. Ah. Because we didn't get served. Yeah, that's right. And then we'd ask other people not to get served. Mm-hmm. And if people who were engaged in the particular project were or strong enough, mm-hmm. they'd get up and make a speech. Ah. But not everybody would do that. Sure, sure. Some wouldn't. Anyhow, my wife was involved. Uh, um, so she just looked at you she, one time across the room like, during the hit and run, and he uh, said, all right, that's going to be my girl. <laughs> and she was white. Oh, and still whoa, is. was and that a and ego still, still is? <laughs> was, was that like a major scandal or taboo locally? It was... Uh, well, it was against the law mm-hmm. of God and man. Mm. It was against the law in California until 1968. Oh, I didn't know that. Huh. Mm-hmm. Miscegenation was repealed, and I think it was repealed in 68. But um, 
uh, it didn't, uh, you know, it was anything that I got involved in, my family would want to understand it. Mm-hmm. And so they understood and supported. Okay. Her people didn't trip? Uh, or they didn't I, know? They knew, but she didn't have the relationship with them that tripping made a difference. Oh, okay. Oh, she's <laughs> just, this, this, this is my man and that's it. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. And, uh, How old were you? I was 18. Okay, so you were illegal. Okay. When I got married. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was still in school, though. Oh, wow. Why, yeah. What made you want to get married that young? Well, we got, we we felt in love. You and... ain't got to make that face, Walter. I know what you thought. <laughs> I know what you mean. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, we had a child. At 18? At, uh, shortly after we got together. Okay. okay. Yes. All right. And she's my uh, my oldest daughter, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, it was hot times, uh, heavy times. It was heady times. Yeah, and we didn't all expect that we were going to be around forever. Uh, okay. There was a major aspect of the '60s for many movements. Uh-huh. So we, uh, you know, that's part of what happens. We're 18. So so around. And I was still in high school. We yes. got married, and and we stayed in Durham, and there were there were challenges around that of course living at my parents house yeah 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 so so around this time like end of high school do do you remember or do you have language for how you understood the world at that time like wh- how did you understand the world and or the way you inhabited the world at that time at that time i understood the world as um, needing a lot of change uh, there are a lot of uh, difficult aspects to it I was reading James Baldwin. I was a fan of Langston Hughes and Richard Wright since many years earlier than James Baldwin. I understood the work of Paul Robinson. Mm-hmm. I understood heroes like Marin Anderson, who was very popular with some of the folks at my, the teachers at my school, mm-hmm. uh, Eleanor Roosevelt. Mm. I understood the language of. Uh, uh, the civil rights movement. I was connected to, uh, in that period, uh, people like Floyd McKissick, who was a lawyer in the movement. Uh, I uh, had become aware of some of the works of, of uh, Jim Farmer, who was who was uh, leader of the Corps. I don't know if you know a lot of the history of Jim Farmer. Um, he was an activist since he was a kid. Uh, ended up in Chicago, but he was... Uh, uh, a part of a group called the Great Debaters, and as a very young person, uh, told the black group went and, and beat the Harvard Debaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, a person who had traveled uh, many of the paths that we were all going to travel in the world. Mm-hmm. I, uh, as and as an active mind, I was uh, aware of uh, the murder of uh, the black folk in the fifties of mm-hmm. uh, Emmett Till mm-hmm. of. Uh, you know, some of the uh, other uh, lynchings that had occurred at that time. Uh, having been in the NAACP, I was aware of the 100 years of lynching. Mm-hmm. I was aware of Jane Wells and Johnson. Yep. Uh, I was aware of uh, uh, Du Bois, mm-hmm. uh, people I'd read about. I read Crisis mm-hmm. magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was sort of like part of being in the movement, yeah. understanding those things. Uh, and I don't know. Uh, 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 I used to read and sell this newspaper called Grit, which was a Midwestern newspaper, but it, it was just one of these things that had a lot of stories in it. 
And I think out of that developed a lot of independence of mine. Uh-huh. And I believed, I believed in democracy at the time. Mm-hmm. I believed that we could be a better country uh. than, than we were. I believed that people could be better mm-hmm. than they were. Uh, and I, uh, I, 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 I did not uh, accept the uh, prevailing uh, um, uh, philosophies in the United States of white domination, U.S. Uh, exceptionalism, mm-hmm. American exceptionalism, and the inferiority of black people mm-hmm. or anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, my father identified uh, himself as a person with dignity, my mother also. My father also had a sense of Native American uh, heritage mm-hmm. and that struggle against a dominant society. Mm-hmm. And that was part of who we were as a family and many of the people around us. Mm. And because of our connections to ourselves, we felt that um, we didn't, we, I don't think uh, uh, the, the young folk that I knew and the, and, and the people in the movement accepted any uh, of the sense of, uh, of uh, that we were not capable uh, and that we could do what we chose to do, mm-hmm. even if we could not be successful economically uh, uh, or professionally, mm-hmm. but we could be independent people. Uh, and we didn't have to be wealthy or rich uh, or accepted or defined mm-hmm. by dominant society. Uh, you, you could exist outside of it. I could exist in, in my own definition. Yes. Ah. And, and, and I could define who I was. And you're, and how, how did you want to define yourself at the time? I wasn't clear about how I wanted to define myself, but I wanted to, def- I knew that I could define myself. Right. You wanted the ability in the space to do I that. I knew that I could. Uh-huh. I could define myself. I could be a person. I could be a person who I respected. Yes. I could have an outlook that I thought was, 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 uh, an understanding of the way to negotiate in the world mm-hmm. and I could understand and appreciate the humanity of other people around me ah. and I wanted to be able to create that world ah. and I didn't want it to be defined by somebody telling me that you can't work that mm. you can't survive mm. that you can't go to school mm-hmm. even though those those were always the challenges sure surviving even at a time as a black man with a white w- wife yeah uh, with a, a child co- coming uh uh, I didn't know whether I would ever be able to get a decent job because Ooh. by that time I was being blackballed Ooh. in North Carolina. Uh-huh. I couldn't work. That didn't, and that didn't scare you off from chilling it was out a, a little bit. It okay. was it, uh, probably made me more radical. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. Huh. <laughs> and and uh, and also, I mean, I guess I knew stories mm. of folks who had challenged the world around them mm-hmm. and and been able to still define themselves and right. exist in their own right. way. Right. Ah. You know, I mean, you know, that would be true of James Baldwin. And by that time, it was very clear, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, a man who uh, had to live with the the family that he inherited and had to live with the life that that became who he is. Mm -hmm. uh, had to live with his uh, personal identities and Mm -hmm. sexual identities Mm -hmm. and live in the world where he challenged the racism and his relationship to people around him. And I was very much aware of that. Mm -hmm. And I was willing to accept. Mm-hmm. The challenges and the hardships. Come what come what may. Yeah. But this is that, the, but know. this is what I'm but I'm going to establish I'm gonna establish myself and a life for myself on my terms. On my terms. On my terms. You know. Um hmm. you know, I liked I liked uh, a number of the people in the uh in the Harlem Renaissance, you know. Yeah. I I liked uh the works of, of, of folks who understood that the world that we lived in can be changed. Ah. 
and and I wanted to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think I needed to be a hero. Mm -hmm. I didn't think I needed to be popular to mm -hmm. do it. I didn't think I even needed to be liked to do it. I just need to respect myself. Hey, that's it. And that was enough. Ah. And and I could not respect myself by uh, going through this world without challenging it. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. <laughs> Tune in to part two to find out more about the myriad ways Walter challenged this world, from organizing with the Panthers to the factory floors of the heartland. You can listen to part two right now on Patreon. Uh, so head on over to patreon.com slash what's left to do. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash what's left to do if patreon isn't your thing and you'd still like to support this work you can go to what's left to do.com slash support and leave us a donation in the tip jar okay see you over on patreon